This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org. This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. If you're a working parent, you know a child care crisis has been brewing in this country for decades. The pandemic has only made it worse, forcing millions of women out of the workforce to take care of their kids. Quality child care is expensive. In many states, it costs more per year than a public university. And it can be hard to find. Now, as the world slowly opens back up and parents return to in-person work, can our struggling childcare system keep up with renewed demand? Chicago Tribune education reporter Karen Ann Collada has been looking into the issue, and she knows how harshly the pandemic impacted childcare in Illinois. So that was really very dramatic and abrupt, I think, for everyone. And that's, you know, parents, kids, and also teachers and child care workers. So around mid-March, and this is around you know, when everything pretty much was shut down, public schools were closed, and that was a state order. Um, daycare centers closed. So if you had center care, if you were in Head Start, a preschool program, and of course, you know, K-12 and our university as well, everything shut down. And so that was the first jolt. And that's coinciding, of course, with many families working from home. But then, of course, there's others. We have essential workers who did not have that luxury to work at home. And we're having to go out into the field and whatever they were doing, whether they were in uh, police and fire service mm-hmm. or whether they worked at a hospital or drove a bus or, or whatnot, they had to report to work. So leaving a huge dilemma. What do we do about our kids, our young kids who can't stay home alone? Yeah. So what would you say then has been the biggest challenge for daycare centers and child care workers throughout the pandemic? Yeah. So initially, the centers closed and, and they slowly began to reopen. And the governor, Governor J.B. Pritzker, did have things in place, right? So for folks who had to be on the front lines at hospitals or whatnot, there was emergency daycare, I believe, and childcare. But, you know, by and large, for most folks, those centers were closed. They did slowly start to reopen when, when they were allowed to reopen. But at that point, you have these childcare providers facing two big challenges. For starters, you have many families that maybe they lost their jobs or that they were not comfortable sending their kids back. So now your enrollment goes down. They also had the challenge of their workers maybe being not ready to go back to work, but having to operate on a very different scale, right? So you still have your bills to pay. You've got to pay your salaries, but you don't have as many kids. So quite a challenge for these centers that are ready Sasha, even before the pandemic, mm-hmm. I mean, this is not a business that they were making a lot of money. They're barely making ends meet yeah. to begin with. And parents, what were you hearing from parents at that time as all those closures were happening? 
Yeah. So what I was hearing, and I'm as an education reporter, I'm primarily, you know, talking to parents with kids, you know, kindergarten through 12th grade. But of course, many of them also have younger children. And, and by and large, I, I did get a sense that it kind of depended on your line of work. So if you were a person, you were a marketing executive, and, and you're, you're able to work from home, that's still challenging, right? I mean, if you've got kiddos at home that are doing remote school, and, and you've got, you know, a toddler that doesn't have daycare, very challenging. But you can kind of try to work around it. I know most of us tried to, but very different than if you have to leave your house, right? Mm -hmm. And there's no way that you can leave your kids alone. So I think families relied on family if they could, neighbors. We saw all these pandemic pods starting, and and I think a lot of it was moms, you know, helping each other and saying, okay, I worked this shift at the hospital, so let's start a pod and I'll have your kids while you're working and so on. And there was a lot of creativity. Now, Karen, the shortage of affordable and quality childcare is a long-standing problem that goes back decades, right? Oh, absolutely. And this is something that has been a problem. And, it, and like so much in the pandemic, Sasha, right, that it was already existing problems that they were just magnified and a spotlight was put on it. But this was a problem long before the pandemic. And when you're looking at affordable child care that at the same time your child is safe and it's high quality and they're going to be getting some type of education once they're old enough was already almost next to impossible for those who aren't earning what I would say would be a wage where you could pay. And I'm just going to throw out a number here. And I know it, it I want to say it, it varies dramatically from community to community, but many suburban, you know, daycare centers right now, if you have a preschooler, you're talking 400 to $500 a week. Mm. And I think nannies, I guess it depends on the situation, but from friends I know that have had nannies, it's quite expensive. And so when you're talking, when you're adding that up, and I think you mentioned this um, before we started talking, um, if you're looking at $400, $500 a month, infant care is even more expensive when you're looking at center care. Yeah, the younger you're, they you're, are, the more expensive they are. Absolutely. And so we're, you're looking at $2,000 a month. It is completely unfeasible. I mean, even for college-educated uh, professionals, 2000 a month, I mean, that's like, you know, mortgage payment and... Um, and really next to impossible. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, there is some um, daycares I wrote about in my story. And uh, Carol Robertson Center is doing wonderful work out in North Lawndale and the Little Village. But, you know, you, you have to qualify for that as well. So I think um, one of the things I'm hearing is that, you know, if you're kind of in that middle sector, it's really difficult. I mean, and even workers, there's wait lists at many centers. Um, so even if you qualify, you still have to find that spot. And what do you mean by qualify? What, tell me more yeah. about what you, what those centers that you just brought up, what, what are they doing? Exactly. Yes. And some of those centers, including Head Start. So you have to be income eligible. It's intended for low-income families. Um, and just as Head Start, just like the name, you know, implies, and giving those families, you know, a chance to have their kids. It's so important, right? We, we've all read the studies that everything that happens before a child starts kindergarten just lays the foundation. It's it's so crucial to having those positive experiences and having, you know, educational experiences, social, emotional wellness, and so forth um, before they even start kindergarten, which is, you know, compulsory education. Well, let's hear now from a caller. Lila's on the line from Schaumburg. Hi, Lila. What's on your mind? Hi. Oh, thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to share how my husband and I handled childcare during the pandemic. Yes. I'm full-time human resource director, and he's a full-time UPS safety supervisor. 
And he works from 5 p.m. to 2 a.m. So what we did was he would sleep until 11 a.m. And I would work from home until 11 a.m. Then he would wake up and I would go to my office because I was essential um, in dealing with our hundreds of employees at my location. I would work in the office from 11 until 4. Then I would return home and he would leave for work and work from 5 p.m. to 2 a.m. 2 a.m. Wow. And and you made that work. How, How long were you doing that arrangement for? We did it for, I don't know, three to six months, something like that. Okay. And then our oldest son is six. And when the schools reopened in the fall and we found out they were going to be 100% virtual, we also then made the decision to put him in a private kindergarten program because we just thought that that was a better choice for I him. I see. I see. So financially, it's been, you know, very expensive, too. Yeah. Yeah. Because well, when the schools went remote, there were extreme costs associated with that. I know that our daycare provided e-learning at a cost of about $1,500 a month per student. Wow. Okay. Well, I appreciate you sharing that, Lila. Karen, does that sound very much like what you've been seeing and, and hearing? I, I love the arrangement that they had to make at home just to make it work, but I'm sure that had to be stressful. Yeah, Lila, thanks for sharing your story. I'm I'm tired and just hearing about what you guys had to do. Right. Um, but, you know, you made it work. In terms of what you're talking about, the supplemental money that's having to go out to make this work is just staggering. Yeah. Let's hear now from another caller, Karen. We've got Margie on the line from River North. Hi, welcome to Reset. Oh, hello. How are you? We're doing well. So what's your situation? How did you make child care work during the pandemic? Well, respectively looking, looking back, I actually enjoy being close to my children, uh, working from home and being able to kind of listen in and participate in the online schooling that they were participating in. So that part I really enjoyed in a kind of weird way. Maybe not everyone is on the same position. I think for young parents, if they were able to stay home and work, probably some challenges with that. But in a way, probably the time provided some closeness, a little bit more of a you know, stay together and be together for a moment a little longer. What I wanted to comment on is kind of the go-forward plan in terms of the upcoming summer. We know that the park districts are currently still limiting the amount of kids signing up for the summer programs due to the coronavirus limits. So we typically already have a hard time getting into those programs Mm -hmm. as is prior to covid we didn't get into the program. So I'm in a situation where for next two months, any places or any programs, city programs that my children can participate in mm. uh, as normally they would for prior to COVID. Right. So my position here is as a city couldn't be more progressive in allowing certain schools to remain open and structure programs where kids that may lost some uh, learnings due to COVID or some camaraderie with students and teachers. Yeah. Can those schools remain open for the, to help the parents, right, to keep them busy during the summer as well to kind of help, you know, them get back with potentially learnings that might have been lost due to the COVID. Yeah, that's a good point, Margie. Thank you so much for raising that. Karen, what are your thoughts there, All right, you know, to what yeah, Margie, Margie you said? Up just a, you bring up a really important issue here, and it's been an issue before the past. Pandemic. So what do you do in the summer if you work full time? Right. Um, schools are by and large still on an agrarian calendar, which was originally intended to allow families to reap the harvest. 
you know, that has never gone away um, for the most part. And I think that's the argument behind those who think year-round school would make sense. That has not gained any footing for the most part. Uh, but yeah, you bring up a point, and I can't say this is 100%, but I know that many CPS schools are offering schools. I'm guessing there's probably limits on those programs too, but maybe it's mm-hmm. worth uh, looking into to see if it, it might not be too late for you to get into a program there. It would give you a little bit of time. Yeah. Karen, uh, our governor wants to make childcare in the state more affordable, more equitable, more accessible. Briefly tell us what his administration has done so far on that and what his plans are. Yeah, so this dates back uh, before the pandemic as well, and I'm certainly no expert on what's happening in the governor's office, but from what I have known about Governor Pritzker, this even was before he was elected, this was always a very important issue uh, for him, even before he was governor. In 2019, there was like an official task force that was studying all of this and did quite a bit of work, and this was before the pandemic. And, of course, we know uh, in the White House right now, Vice President Kamala Harris speaking last Friday about, you know, this is a crisis. So I think pretty much at every level of of government right now, we're seeing this as a really important issue. And, you know, I think the topic of universal preschool is something that is really kind of aspirational. But I do think in Illinois, from what I'm hearing, there is a lot of energy in that direction. Well, speaking of Vice President Harris, as you mentioned, she visited a bilingual child care center in, in, in Washington last week, and she was highlighting how the pandemic has affected child care and that more needs to be done. Let's listen. Child care centers were closed. Parents have been out of work. Families' budgets have been stretched. While the American Rescue Plan has been critical in providing relief, we know more work needs to be done to reimagine these systems and these structures, to build a future that is worthy of every child's aspiration and ambition. Karen, what did you take away from what she said? Yeah, I mean, I think we're talking equity here as well. And uh, we all know that when we're talking income-wise, that workers on the lower end of the wage scale have faced the most challenges for affordable childcare. And I think what we're also seeing coinciding, and this could be very beneficial to the move to improve the situation, is that we have the business community now, we have the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, you know, stepping up recently and saying, we're hearing, you know, from workers, I think it was something staggering, number one in four who are saying we can't go back to work because we don't have childcare. Mm-hmm. So now it's an issue that's become much more um, a magnitude where it's looked at as an economic issue. It should have always been looked at, at it that way, but I think it was looked at through the lens of this is a social issue, but of course those things are really, they're just so intertwined. How do you separate that, the economics from the, the social issues here? So I think that now it's really become an issue for businesses, and I'm sure you've noticed, Sasha, as I have, and you can't go anywhere now or you don't see a help wanted sign, and um, yeah. they're just having trouble getting those workers. There's a lot, a lot of those signs up out there. Well, that is education reporter Karen Ann Collada from the Chicago Tribune. Thank you so much, Karen. Thank you, sir. And that's today's Reset. We hope you'll give this podcast a quick rating and review. It really makes a difference. Just one rating will work the algorithms to help people find us. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for listening. We'll meet again tomorrow.
Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.